Hello Gems, welcome to another episode of TRs in Tech. I'm your host, Shelly Benhoff, and today I'm talking to Emily Citrian, Manager of Implementation Consulting at Stripe and author of an excellent book called Make Me the Boss, Surviving as a Millennial Manager in the Corporate World. We talked about how millennials can become better managers, best practice in management during the time of COVID, and connecting with people at work. Without further ado, on to the episode. Hey, Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Shelly, and I'm very proud of us for staying calm with some technical difficulties this morning, but we're doing great. I, you know what? I think it's the Mercury retrograde, really. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. It. But I mean, it's a podcast. Sometimes things happen. So yeah, it's fine. But there's always Zoom <laughs> to record. So <laughs> that's like good. The good old days. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's just jump right in and have you... Tell us your tech story. Yeah, so I was a bit of a non-traditional late bloomer student. I didn't go right into tech and I didn't actually think I wanted necessarily a white collar job um, when I was younger. Um, I was very intrigued by the trades. I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And so I spent a lot of years, just, you know, kind of in community college doing different jobs. Um, and then eventually decided that I really wanted to go into public policy. Like I think of a lot of young idealistic people like, yeah, let's go like change public policy for the better. Um, and so I, I, I made it a point to um, take certain types of classes and I eventually transferred into UC Berkeley. Um, go Bears. Um, nice. And, you know, I was I was at Berkeley around the time that things were really accelerating in the consumer tech space, specifically hardware. And, and the, the big thing that happened um, kind of right, right around there was the iPhone and the iPad and these, and these sort of things that you could just seem like, wow, the world is really going to change. And we don't know exactly know how or why or when. Um, and so I had, a, I had a kind of breakthrough moment of, wow, if I really want to be a force of change, I should go into technology. You know, like that's that's where it's happening. That's where you can make an app that, you know, millions of people like incorporate into their lives overnight for good or for better or for worse, I should say. Um, and so I um, I really wanted to pursue a career in technology. And my first job right out of college was at a very traditional technology big firm um, based out of Wisconsin, of all places, uh, specifically in the healthcare space. And so that's where I got to really cut my teeth in the technology world, running implementations, um, learning how to be a project manager, learning how to be a professional of all kinds, you know, manage meetings and do follow-ups and do, you know, write great emails. Um, and so that was kind of my, my path initially into technology, but I've been here for about 11 years. Um, it's just really flown by in a lot of ways. Good for you. Yeah. Healthcare is so funny. That comes up to me all of the time. I also have a lot of experience in healthcare. I um, had a help desk job a long, long time ago where I handled like um, scan, scanning software for like MRIs or something like that. It was really cool actually, but the 
the backups were on tapes. That's how old I am. So I had to manually like get the backups and send them somewhere for storage and then put the new one. <laughs> wow. That's my healthcare wow. experience. <laughs> It was still, still pretty ripe for innovation, I gotta say. Um, there's there's still a lot, a lot of room to grow in, in healthcare technology, both on you know the provider side, the consumer side, the coverage side. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so after healthcare, um, you're at Stripe now, which is amazing. I I use that, of course. Um, what is your role? and um, responsibilities. Yeah, so today I lead a section of our global professional services team that focuses on the enterprise uh, user base, which is what Stripe actually calls our, our customers. And so we define an enterprise in, in Stripe terms as an industry um, or a company who has existed prior to the internet, which is a lot of companies actually. So we're talking about companies like Ford Motors, um, companies that have a big established presence. Obviously they've implemented technology, um, but they're now partnering with companies like Stripe to really innovate. Um, I don't wanna say stay relevant because that sounds kind of like, oh, what are you gonna do to stay relevant? Um, but, but, these, but these large traditional blue chip companies are just as innovative as I think of a lot of startups and a lot of digital natives. And so my department and my team uh, that I lead works with the, large, the largest companies in the world to implement a Stripe technology and to really innovate with it. It's not just a matter of turning on the technology and, and building the integration. It's a matter of what are you going to do to really fundamentally change how you do business? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really, really cool. I, um, I don't have any experience in that type of thing, but it's um, such a great service, honestly. I've used Stripe for almost a year now for this podcast. So yeah, so it's great. Thank you so much. Um, let's talk about your book. I want to actually pull it up and like screen share. So um, people can uh, see it on YouTube if that's what they're doing. Um, so yeah, this book, Make Me the Boss, Surviving as a Millennial Manager in the Corporate World. Like when I saw this, I was just 100% have you on the show because this is literally me. Like I, I teach this stuff. And so I'm always looking for other perspectives. So tell us about it. Oh my gosh. Um, thank you so much. I, can I just take you around with me as my like, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> by the way, that's so awesome that you use Stripe. I think it's one of the really exciting things that's happening is the, the creator economy and, and companies like Stripe are facilitating a whole new type of entrepreneur. Um, Absolutely. So, yep. Yeah. That's me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I wrote this book, um, over the course of three years, it was really hard to write it, really painful. Um, the, the, the glitz and glamour of having, of having written it is totally worth it. Um, in, in the moment, uh, it was quite painful. Um, so I became a people manager um, about 
10 years ago, nine or 10 years ago, um, I was kind of thrown into it at a startup. And this is like a classic startup story. You hire your first employees. And then as you grow, those employees just become managers. And so the types of skills that make you great as, a, as an employee or, or, or a leader even are not the same skills that make you into a boss and in a, into a people manager. And so I had to learn a lot of things the hard way. And then over the course of my career, I've just observed and promoted myself so many people into management roles that really struggled in the first six to nine months. It was like, that was the time where you're just, things are unrecognizable. And so I wanted to write this book as a sort of life raft um, for people that were in this position, um, because I think they're really special and really important in the world. And then quite frankly, I think people that report into millennials who are managers for the first time, are like they deserve to have an amazing boss. Everybody does. Um, I think it, it's one of those things that we can really dramatically alter your quality of life um, if you have a good boss or not. And so I wrote it for you know general people too that um, I think just deserve to have a, a really good workplace experience. Yeah, absolutely. What you just said, like the first six to nine months of your first time being a manager, I, I know I've told this story before on the podcast, but it's very applicable here. I was a horrible manager the first time. I took the old command and control style mm -hmm. instead of actually like supporting people and, you know, coaxing out talent and, you know, <laughs> setting them up for success. That's also a really good one. So yeah, I I have been reading this book. I'm about halfway through, I think. Yeah, oh. but I think for the rest of the podcast, we're just going to kind of talk through some of the main points because it's so good. Um, so yeah, I'll stop. I'll stop the share. Really, that's probably that's probably what you had observed that command and control. And so I, I do think it's just like we've seen that we've all had that boss. And so we're kind of raised to think like, oh, that's what authority is. And so I think there's a big generational difference, both from people like you and me who are just not necessarily like naturally that way, but also what people expect and need out of their manager today, I think is different. It's, it's a much more interconnected world. So I think the workplace has changed a lot yeah. since that type of leadership was like the predominant way to lead. Exactly. It was really hard to unlearn all that I had learned, you know, <laughs> that's a famous exactly. quote, but yeah. Um, so how can millennials become better managers? Yeah. So millennials are by and far the most common generational group that is a first-time manager today. The average age of a first-time manager is 30, um, which kind of checks out. You know, you got like maybe, you know, five to six years of, of work experience stepping into that first role. That is like right in the middle of the, the millennial generation. It's like your 30-year-old, late 20s, all, all the way up to like really your early 40s now. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> and so we are the generation that is all of a sudden like having some power, having some money, having some influence. It's, it's very kind of weird actually, but it's, um, it's important to just understand that, that the, you know, the, the tide is turning a, a bit in terms of, of kind of who's, who's stepping up in the workplace. So first of all, is I think millennials, should 
very much consider becoming people managers. I think we are um, naturally have a lot of gifts as a generation in that we did grow up with technology or at least we we came of age in a time of technology. So we're, we're you know, maybe not all of us like grew up with, with phones and things like that, but we were absolutely like, you know, into Facebook and MySpace and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Oh, and, MySpace. And so, I know, I know. Remember Friendster? Oh my <laughs> God. Was I was, I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> so we kind of get it. Like we get what tech is all about, but at the same time, we have the unique communication um, skills and cultural references to relate to Gen X and even baby boomers in the workplace. And so I think we're actually in a really unique position to bring all of these generational perspectives together um, and lead with the skills that we have. So how can millennials become better managers? Um, well, besides buying and reading my book, which I have to say, <laughs> Of course, little, little plug um, is is I think understanding yourself and really unpacking your trigger points, your reactions, your fears, your accomplishments is the number one thing that I will say helps you show up better in the workplace. And as millennials, honestly, we're pretty good at this. Like we are, we go to therapy and we were raised by, you know, Gen X and baby boomers who like maybe weren't so great at, you know, the self-care and the mental health aspect. So, so I think, um, so I think really like leaning on that and and bringing that into the workplace. Um, And then I think millennials can be absolutely better managers by um, developing skills for managing up this can be a little bit scary um, once millennials become a, a people manager, realizing you now have to manage your boss and your your chain of commands uh, leadership. Um, that's that's a little a little outside of our, our comfort zone, I would say. Um, so developing skills that that help you do that, um, and then I would also just say that I think managing across. Is really important. I, I think a lot of first-time managers, you know, you kind of get the concept of managing down, maybe working on managing up, but thinking about who your new new peer group is, building those relationships and and you know a healthy functioning um, team that's to your left and to your right, that is often really underlooked. But that's actually like your new team. It's not like your team down the org chart. It's your team laterally, and so. So I think that that's a, a really big area for focus. Absolutely. I have never heard the term manage up. That's now one of my favorite things. I never considered the fact that you do have to manage people who are managing you. You know, it's it's yeah. a it's a two-way street. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. I'll have to add that to one of my courses and send them to your book. Yeah. And you know, actually I am, I am working on a course right now that I could, I could add that to, cause it's completely relevant for everything I teach. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, but um, now that we're in this, you know, time of COVID it's, gone on for so much longer than any of us ever expected and has really, really changed management and, and leadership drastically and very quickly. What, 
are some best practices in management to manage during this crazy time? Oh my goodness. What an insane two years it has been. I, I don't even, yeah, it's kind of crazy to think that it has been over two years, well over two years um, yeah. at this point. So the world is changing really fast. And some of it is COVID. Some of it is economic change. Some of it is, you know, the pace of technology and innovation is, is so much faster. And so I think the first thing is acknowledging that it's hard, but also acknowledging what an exciting time it is to be in a position of leadership. And it's not all doom and gloom. Like the fact, for example, that the vaccine was able to be developed so quickly. Um, the fact that the rise in technology has enabled us to connect in ways we never would have been able to if this had happened 10 years ago. Um, and so I think it's having some perspective in that, yes, it's hard. Yes, there's many, many challenges. At the same time, we're kind of in a technological and cultural renaissance at this, at, you know, so, so kind of keeping that balanced perspective. The second is the reality of the workplace has, has forever changed. And it was kind of already happening, but people are so immersed in their workplace and so immersed in their job now that the, the division of, you know, your personal life and your work life, it's like, it's very blurry. It's very blurry. And it's just, it is what it is. Um, and so I think meeting people where they're at, how they prefer to work, you know, employees have a lot of power right now. We're still in kind of the, the throes of the great resignation um, and just, you know, doing what you can do to ensure that people have the, the space and the rhythm and the expectation to do their best work, whether it's at home or a hybrid situation or coming in or they want to work from Europe, you know. Whatever. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> I'd love I know. to go to Europe right now. Oh, my gosh. I miss it so much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the separation of work and life when you work from home is really hard. I have this mattress that I spent a lot of money on that I really love. And so I like, I, I work from bed a whole lot and I know that that's not a good thing to do. Like, you know, you're, you're really supposed to have an office and I, clearly I have one, but you know, sometimes if I'm creative and I'm like writing, then having a, a more chill space is, is good, but yeah, I, I wouldn't suggest working from bed, at least the couch. I think <laughs> the bed is for sleep and relaxation. <laughs> I'm telling myself this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to your point, like when, when creativity strikes, yeah. you know, the, um, the musical Hamilton, Lin-Manuel mm -hmm. Miranda wrote it at least the conceptually while he was on vacation, like in really? a hammock. I didn't know that. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah. it's okay. You know, sometimes we have our big creative bursts when we should be in that rest time, but you know, I think that's all right. So exactly. We're, we're getting used to a new normal. And I think my advice globally is stay curious stay flexible. Don't be afraid to pivot. Don't be afraid to make hard decisions. Like whatever mental model of how work is supposed to be that you may have had two years ago, it's gone. So <laughs> be open to <laughs> rethinking what is it? How are we all going to work through this? 
exactly. Yes. So smart. Um, so I want to introduce a new segment that I'm calling Precious Gems. This is where I read your comments, your tweets, whatever, and feature you on the show. So I'm actually in a screen share and I have two um, Twitter comments that I wanted to show. Christine H said that she really loved the topic on inclusion and diversity in the workplace, truly inspiring. Yeah, I think in terms of our conversation here, millennials really um, excel at this, I think, because we've been taught a lot more of um, human rights and all of that other stuff. And I, I think that we've kind of translated that into a workplace culture, again, that isn't like command and control, but yeah, inclusion and diversity is incredibly important, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, millennials and Gen Z, the generations that are coming to the workplace, they want their workplace to look like the world, the world as it is today. And our values, we, we need to feel like our workplace represents those. Yeah. So if you want to stay competitive as an, as an, um, as an employer, um, having good, meaningful conversations and programs around DNI in the workplace is ultimately how you're going to compete for the, the top talent that's that's coming in. Exactly. Exactly. I have one more picture that is not coming up. Hold on. <laughs> Mercury um, retrograde marks again. Yeah, I am. I'm a total pro, right? <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the second, uh, precious gem for this episode comes from Lena Zubite, I think, I hope I'm saying that right. And, and she says, love the recommendation. Thanks for sharing. And TRs and tech, what a name as queen of bugs. I love it. <laughs> I was just wondering, what did you think when you saw the name of the podcast? I absolutely love it. I, I, I'm kind of a um, embrace. For me, I feel like, you know, I'm a she, her, like definitely identify as female. And so I, I appreciate when there's the, the fusion of being really interested in business, really interested in technology and good at those things while also still being feminine and playful. And so I absolutely love it. <laughs> yes. That's, that's like really exactly the message I want to put across is that, you know, technologists aren't just white men, you know, we're all shapes and sizes, all colors, all genders, races, ethnicities, whatever. And we all have our special interests and mine just happened to be TRs. <laughs> so I put it to use. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, if, if you want to be featured as a precious gem, send us your comments at TRs and tech on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and use the hashtag make yourself shine. <laughs> Back to Emily. Um, so yeah, another uh, topic 
that you cover um, in your awesome book is having a personal life and the importance of that outside of work. Can you tell us, you know, why it's important and how it, how having a personal life actually helps you work? Having a personal life makes you just so much more interesting in the workplace and as a human. And so it actually like, pursuing and investing in developing your whole brand, both in the workplace and outside of the workplace and continuing to do that as a human. It's not like you get to the age of 30 and you're like, all right, what I'm into is what I'm into. And that's it. Like, no, keep, keep developing that, keep curating um, your, your hobbies and your interests. It is, it is important to have things you can talk to your coworkers about. Yeah. Just job. So it's it's gonna it's going to actually like make you more effective um, to do that. And then the second is it, it does really bring and keep a lot of perspective in your life. Um, I think as humans, you should be surrounding yourself by people that have very different walks of life and perspectives from you. And if you are lucky enough and and have, have the right access to have a career in technology, most likely you're going to be in the top earning income bracket of the entire world. And I think what a tragedy to not have a circle of friends and have a, a community that can remind you of, of how lucky, um, how lucky we are and, and the importance of using that um, power and access for good. And so I think having that perspective will keep you humble. And at the end of the day, it's going to make you more effective um, in achieving both your personal and your professional goals. Exactly. Yeah. I think that it's, it's important to connect with people at work and have relationships. Working relationships are really important because when people aren't like communicating, then their productivity isn't as good. You're wasting so much time on people who are scared to ask questions or whatever. And it just, it breaks my heart when I see companies who don't have that um, strategy or um, environment, sorry, of collaboration. And that every department, this especially happens in very large companies, every department, every team is in their own little silo. And so they're not like communicating with each other and sharing ideas and plans. So that's a disaster. <laughs> yeah, yes, <I> agree. <laughs> exactly. Um, one of the main topics that I love that you cover um, is your inner imposter. This is probably the number one thing that I need my mentors for is just to contact them when I'm feeling imposter syndrome. Um, how do you get over your inner imposter? I'm so glad that you have curated a network of, of mentors. I have six. Right. That's, that's exactly the right way to do it. And I guess I would say that I don't think you ever really fully get over it. 
And I think every time maybe you feel really confident and then you do something else that's just out of your comfort zone and then it comes, it comes rushing back. So I think that it's a matter of managing it um, and in some ways embracing it, we'll get to that in a minute, to, to make it work for you. And I'll tell you what I mean. So imposter syndrome fundamentally is a phenomenon that we experience that is a nagging little voice in our head telling us you're not good enough when are, your people are going to see right through you your employer got the wrong resume maybe you overrepresented your you know all these kind of negative thoughts um and so to to overcome that or to sort of live with it i think it's very important to have peers and have mentors um, that will give you really meaningful genuinely constructive feedback mm -hmm. so that you are aware of where you're really strong and where you're not so strong. And so shifting the narrative from I'm not good enough to being the reality, which is there's some, some things I'm really good at and there's some areas for growth and I have some blind spots over here. And that is okay. Like that is literally okay. Every single person, leader, or professional in the world has both. And so when you're in touch with that and like really know that, I think that's your biggest tool is, is like fundamentally understanding your abilities. Um, and then the second I think is having imposter syndrome keeps you humble in some ways. And so I think cautionary is I think we've all worked with or for leaders that are clearly overcompensating and you could just see it and you just completely lose respect for them yeah so don't become that leader don't become the leader that is just like trying so hard to say no I'm so great I'm so good I'm such a badass I can do this I can do that like keep it close to you so where you just like have a reasonable understanding of your abilities um and and so that's the best advice that I have yeah I think um what you touched on there um how your inner imposter isn't always a bad thing because it keeps you humble you know um it's just that you have to manage and control it so that it doesn't go so out of hand that you stop taking jobs because you don't think that you have the skills or, you know, something like that, which is what I've been through a lot. I wish I had your book. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So something else uh, that happens a lot at work are crises, you know, you have emergencies or, um, something happens to your project or your team or something like that. Um, what, what is important to achieve success when that happens? Oh, so I think it depends on the category of the crisis a little bit. So as a manager, and I, I tried to break this down in my book, but there's, there's different categories of emergencies and how you respond to them depends a little bit on the nature of it. So the worst, yuckiest one is an HR-related crisis. 
So like something really bad has happened. Um, maybe it's someone on your team. You need to respond to that as a P0. And so the best advice that I have for people, assume that you have an HR department, maybe you don't, but um, make sure you have a relationship with your HR business partner, know who that person is and get ahead of anything even before it happens. And a lot of first-time managers think, oh, I shouldn't really talk to my HR person unless like something really bad happens. Or if, if even if I just had like a weird gut sense or a weird conversation with somebody, I don't want to bring this to HR. Like, don't think that way. Like HR is there to help you succeed. And so they, in my experience, have given always given a really helpful and objective and neutral view of a particular situation that I might be dealing with. Um, and there is no consequences for you or whoever else to just have a conversation about, hey, something weird has happened. Let me just like talk to you about this and get another um, opinion. So that's number one, have a relationship with your HR business partner. Um, and, you know, if you have any gut sense of there's like legal exposure or financial exposure, like depending on how bad this crisis is, and most likely you won't deal with this your first year, but you might. And so if you do, you'll know what to do. Um, the second is if there's some crisis related to the work itself. So if you're in charge of an engineering team or you're in charge of a sales team or, or something, and, and something that your team is responsible for goes very badly, like you ship a major bug, you have a, you know, a, a big account that like didn't renew, got a really unhappy customer like something really bad has happened um that is also a p0 and so you basically have to take in all, all of the information you can reach out to your peers your management chain gather things and you need to wrap around that situation as if it was your issue even if it wasn't something you personally did if it's if it's something you're anyone on your in your chain of command did like that is now your issue. Got to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Oof, not fun. Not fun. It is uh, but not it happens. fun. <laughs> and that, you know, that's why, that's why managers get paid more is because like, these are the things that, you know, you're, you gotta be ready for at any minute. Um, and then there's like the next category of crisis, which is, um, like some really unfortunate, um, and terrible, um, like health emergency or family emergency, like some some personal crisis is happening um, with someone on your team, and so that's that's another type of issue where, like, you need to drop everything and 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 handle that and make sure your team member is supported. And if you need to just jump into their work and start triaging, like, what are they, you know, um, and that that happens. You know, it's it's happened to me probably once or twice a year where you know there's health, there's a family emergency, there's a you know, the person themselves um, has a health crisis. And, and so, um, so wrapping around that and managing out of that. And then the last one I think is like the company is having a crisis. Um, and so, you know, this most often will um, manifest as, you know, reorg or layoffs or, or things of that nature, um, overnight bankruptcy, you know, this will happen in startups frequently, you know, you, sometimes people wake up and find out oh, their startup went under. Um, and so that is where I think the leadership really, really happens. 
And so when it happens, obviously you, you don't want to be grateful for it in the moment because it's like, oh, this is so terrible. But how you lead and respond to something really unfortunate happening like that is how you get your leadership chops. Hmm. And so stepping up with courage, leading with conviction, um, being able to empathize with people that bad things are happening, but also still do what is needed to move whatever thing it is forward. Um, that, that is where the, at the end of the day, you'll be really, really proud of how you reacted and, and navigated those um, really unfortunate um, circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. I've, uh, as I said, like the first time I, I was a manager, I didn't know any of these things. And so I didn't always act appropriately. Um, I actually had a employee threaten to sue at one point, like in, in my first year. Um, and oh. it was, it was over, money that I, I wasn't responsible for paychecks and stuff like that, but my boss told her I was. And so <laughs> she was really mad and <laughs> threatened to call a lawyer. And I, I was just like, I will do anything for you that you want. Please don't call a lawyer. You know, <laughs> And I, I really liked her too. So I just felt horrible. And I, didn't handle it right. And yeah, so <laughs> sometimes. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's bad. I, I could trade some more stories with you. Um, I've never had an employee threaten to sue, but I did have a customer threaten to sue based Ooh. on something that one of my, yeah, it was like, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> So yep. that must be so scary. I I haven't had that happen yet, but I <laughs> you never know what happens, you know. You try your hardest, but sometimes it just doesn't work out. Yeah. Um anyway, on that happy note, <laughs> we do have to wrap this up. Oh my god, I cannot wait to get to the rest of your book to read like the second half of the questions that, that we talked about, because they're all really um, important topics, I would say, especially imposter syndrome. I think that that prevents a lot of people from trying in the first place, you know, to achieve like moonshot goals and stuff like that. But you should just rein it in, have your support and read Emily's book. <laughs> so before I let you go, can you tell people where they can connect with you? Absolutely. So I do have a website, emilycitrian.com. Um, you can follow me there. I've got my own podcast, um, starting up a blog this year and a few other resources for first-time managers. I also am pretty active on LinkedIn. So please find me on LinkedIn. I just joined the like LinkedIn creators, whatever. So I'm, I don't, I'm figuring out what that's going to look like and experimenting with it a little bit, but um, LinkedIn is where I'm probably the most active. Great. Yeah. And I will have links to all of your um, sites and your book and all of that in the show notes slash description. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. 
Thank you so much for having me. I, it was really great meeting you and great conversation. Yeah, same. If you want to support us, please like, subscribe, and share this episode with your fellow gems. Let me know in the comments what other topics you would like me to cover and follow TRs and Tech on social media and use the hashtag MakeYourselfShine. Thanks for watching or listening and have a great day.